Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, paid for by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I am Korva. And I am Kikita Kaori. And we have a story and magistrates today. Yes, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be looking at The Art of Matchmaking by Nancy Sauer. And we are going to do, I think, possibly a very deep dive into magistrates in Rock Again, because that is a very common game format. And we're going to be looking at Emerald Magistrates and City Magistrates and Clan Magistrates and everything Magistrates. <laughs> but yeah. first, we do have one new fiction that's come out in the last couple of weeks. And maybe we'll get another one tomorrow because that's just how it works around here. Or even Possibly today. mere minutes after we've finished recording. <laughs> that is the way it goes. But the fiction we have is The Art of Matchmaking, again by Nancy Sawyer. Uh, in this story, Doji Shizue, everyone's favorite uh, Doji... Uh, Second favorite. Hi, family. I think the cat. <laughs> oh, well, Fumio is Shizue's <laughs> cat, so... Yes. Um, what, who was assigned by Kikita Yoshi uh, to negotiate support from the unicorn for mm-hmm. the lion's attack on Kuden Kikita. So if remember Kikita Yoshi's very very bad day uh this was one of the outcomes so she is traveling to unicorn lands with her little group of unicorn and daidoji guards and they encounter Mm -hmm. an ambush along the way as the lion try to accost them and eventually she is saved by Otaku Komoko and then meets with Shinzo Alton Sarnai and after yeah, it must be also said that that she does a certain amount of saving herself. She's clearly she does very read, well. Yeah, she's read the bit in fifth edition that courtiers aren't completely helpless in combat, and she went, "Oh, right." <laughs> anyway, so uh, Altan Sinai uh, agrees to send an army in support of the crane mm-hmm. in the end. Yep. So. And, uh, yeah, there's some there's some nice character bits here. Like I say, uh, she's clearly read the the bit you know, that the court is going to be used. And she's, I think she's been reading through Path of Waves because <laughs> improvised weapons. So, no, <laughs> so the, that was really neat. It was. So there is a part uh, where one of the uh, Daidoji goes up to her. She has thrown her cane at a lion, and it has mm. been enough to distract the lion and cause the. Uh, Daidoji the lion was fighting to um, stab him with a naganata but later on in the story the Daidoji comes up to her and says in my family we say that the first Daidoji was born a doji Um, so there's a lot of reasons for that obviously she is uh, owed respect for joining Mm. in the fray despite you know having a limp and not being able to walk without her cane and chucking her yep. cane at the lion. Um, it, it is worth noting that that is something that happens. A lot of clans have a certain amount of um, disdain or at least, you know, look on courtiers as weak. Mm. Um, especially, you know, crane courtiers are like the quintessential ones. But in the crane, there is actually a lot of respect between the Bushi family of the Daidoji and the courtiers because um, 
they recognize that you know it takes a lot of courage to put it out there in court and the crane value mm. courtiers so yeah. you know that's just the general point of view you can have uh, yeah, exceptions yeah. and it's also literally true mm-hmm. because uh doji hayaku was the founder of the daidoji family and is the son of doji and kikita so the first daidoji was literally so the first daidoji was literally born a doji so Right. And Daidoji means protector of the doji. So, yep. let's see. We have references. Shizue refers to the part in Unicorn Lore where Doji gives Shinjo her fan. And then when mm-hmm. the Shinjo do return, they return their fan and the crane acknowledge them. He also ref- she also refers to the poet warrior Kakita Kosho's journey to learn unicorn travel poetry from Ide Rinako. Yeah, which is kind of neat and fun things. We also learned that uh, Doji Chuai, the father of Satsume, so um, Shizue's grandpa, uh, grandpa, <laughs> anyway, grandpapa, um, grandfather, uh, changed imperial law to allow unicorn clan to import and sell food in the empire. So I presume it means importing from outside the empire. So all and those then, sweet potatoes and yep. sugar or foreign wow. beverages and foreign foods luck. and spices <laughs> actually are allowed in the empire. Yes, certain certain things are. Uh, um, based, But it's a recent development, like just a, 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 a generation ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of cool because we sometimes get into this. Why is this weird foreign food in Rokugan? Why? Wh- mm. Well, you know, it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there was there was an interesting. Um, there's an aside by I have to say uh, Shizue, which I kind of went, hmm. which apparently that the crane when they arrange marriages actually look to see if there's any there's likely to be harmony between the two participants and i was kind of like only the crane the impl- implication is only the crane do this and i thought that was a bit weird but never mind i would i would <laughs> probably if in my game i would i would change that to stating that the crane put particular emphasis on that and because the crane have friends in absolutely every court they're really good at finding harmonious matches that still fulfill the political needs well i would say that First of all, they're talking about harmony and not love. That should oh, yeah, yeah, be yeah. That's a considered big, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So harmony is the blessings of Hotai, you know, the fortune of contentment. It's 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 about can you get along with something? It's just not, there's no expectation yep. that you love them. That's for that's Benton. That's that's mm. for your you know sowing your oats. But but it's yeah yeah it, that frivolous frivolous non duty stuff. Right. But harmony is also important. So Hmm. the other thing is, I mean, she is trying to uh, emphasize that, you know, because in the story, the unicorn got very upset about her even mentioning marriage. So marriage is a is a requirement for almost every mm. treaty it's it's like hard to convince anyone it's a true treaty without a marriage involved so she was yeah, yeah, yeah. went to marriage almost reflexively but you know even even in her thinking i wonder if hotaro would accept this treaty without mm. a marriage even though it's the crane desperately needing 
the treaty. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what what's interesting is that is that she says, "Hey, we, there'll be a marriage, and it'll be fantastic." And then the unicorn will go, mm, and she realizes she made some mistake, but she doesn't think, "Oh, yes, that disastrous marriage between the lion and the unicorn." So it's kind of interesting that they don't right. know. About I think that, that that's why she, I think that the crane do know about it. I think that that's why she says it's like the crane matchmakers look for harmony um to counteract the lion who do Mm. it just who who did it in this case in any event to manipulate the unicorn i i think if that was the case she would have thought that she didn't think anything about that arrangement and she i i think she's too good a courtier to stumble into that if she'd (laughs) known but you know it's it's not necessarily not necessarily clear but yes, that, that was an interesting thing. All right. They do have, uh, they mentioned, we talked about Kikita Kosho's journey. Uh, in the story, they also mentioned that the Red Bridge School of Poetry, which is a uh, modified style of uh, poetry that all the clients use that's influenced mm. by unicorn travel poetry. Yeah. So that kind of makes me think about how uh, modern haiku work compared to different older kinds of uh, Japanese oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. poetry and and it's so popular to use the modern 575 but uh, there's lots of older styles of poetry and it could be that this red bridge is the modern style in Rokugan well I mean it could be a whole bunch of other I mean a whole bunch of other things I mean the, the history of how haiku became haiku is quite interesting and the idea that these poetry styles are you know, static and and only exist because they're the ones we've heard of in the West. Fundamentally, um, you know, these things change and and mm-hmm. adapt and evolve, and that's and an interesting thing. I think that that also gets into something that's an interesting question that I've played around in my writing and role playing in mm. terms of Crane. It was a big theme I did when I played through Winter Court Five, but that is the the idea of culture as being stable and unchanging versus culture as grounded but uh, capable of innovation. So Mm. um, the crane in L5R in Rokugan are the guardians of culture, right? But there's two ways to see being a guardian of culture. Uh, you can be the people who keep the culture the same and hold it back from innovation. And if you look at philosophies of clans, especially like um, the Lion Clan, that's that's very much how they do it. They have their ancestors talking in their ears saying, this is how we did it a long time ago, and this is how it's supposed to be done now. Um, they're very, very tradition bound, um, except of course in warfare where they innovate just well, fine. Well, that's because the that's because the 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 ancestors are in their ear going win, win. <laughs> <laughs> but win! Uh, one approach to seeing the crane is yes, we keep the culture the same all the time, mm. and it's never changed since the beginning of the empire. But the other way to see the crane is that uh, they are making the culture and therefore they have absolutely innately an idea that culture is not something that just is and always is and always should be, but culture is something that is formed and shaped 
to your advantage. They don't do fashion like 500 years ago is how the fashion should be now. They are constantly saying, this is the fashion this year and everybody else better catch up. Yeah, I also found it very interesting that on the one hand, because the, the unicorn meanwhile are saying, you know, uh, Rocky Island is not adapting to us. You know, you know, culture should change and culture should be dynamic. But they're mm-hmm. also saying, but we refuse to change our ancestral ways. Right. Which I, fa- I found very interesting. Right. So, so one uh, of the yeah, things that... that, that was, there, there was an interesting discussion. And there is an interesting discussion to be had. I did want to say, with regards to culture as stable or unchanging yeah. versus culture as grounded but capable of innovation, mm. and the crane being the ones that are innovating it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alton I chooses to join with the crane because her, her reason is, is that the, she says that the crane alone has shown willingness to embrace their, the unicorn's unique ways. Yeah, yeah. So that does argue towards, plus everything else, a long-term area where the crane are actually cultural innovators rather than cultural restrictors. And their guardianship of the cultures means that they pick and choose mm. what to innovate along rather than just allowing it all to come in or allowing none of it to come in. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, no, yeah, I, I think that, and it's an interesting kind of, it's an interesting dichotomy for them that they, they're kind of doing those, doing those two things. And the unicorn also doing a thing of everyone should change and adapt, except we're not going to change our ancestral ways. So right. I think I think they're both there's there is a kind of an interesting And Chizue mentions that. Yeah, yeah. Tries yeah. to be tactful but does mention it. <laughs> I, I I kind of it was also very another interesting thing is it's kind of, yeah, okay, we'll ally with you against the lion who we are secretly already fighting. Which I thought was did they not want to bring that up? <laughs> but, no, they didn't they knew it. I mean yeah. Chizue was just in that fight. She knew it. Mm. Uh let's see. Uh so in the end, Elton Sinai declares that she will lead the blue horde yep. of the unicorn uh, against the uh, lion mm-hmm. um, to help the crane. So there were traditionally five hordes. Each horde was made when Shinjo split up her um, families mm. into, and they all went off in a different direction when they were out in the burning sands. There was the blue horde that was Shinjo's horde, the green horde, which was Ayuchi's horde, the white horde was the Moto horde, uh, purple horde was under Utako, and the golden horde was under Ide. The green horde never returned. So that one's gone. So the unicorn have basically four armies, though... The purple horde, which is the otaku, is actually normally disbanded. Mm. Um, it only comes together for its big, to <laughs> big, big parties. Yeah. Um, so they have four armies and three kind of standing armies. I that kind the of, unicorn I, I presume that they weren't just the families, because if the green horde never came back, there are still Yuchi, I thought. Oh, oh! They totally are. They aren't just the families. Right. Those are just the the kind of the family in command of it okay. of that that thing. So, um, Moto Chakatai is leader of is uh, 
Chue or I can't remember his exact title, but mm. he he's uh, in charge of the White Horde. Big Cheese, I think that's his official title. <laughs> Big Cheese, but he's not the daimyo mm. of yeah. that. It's just they're they're kind of the armies yeah. of them. They're just associated with families and okay. were originally linked to a family when they went scattering in the burning sands. Yep, so they're all nicely color coded. So. <laughs> anyway, with that long break, uh, we still should have time to talk about magistrates in Rokugan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a very common Legend of the Five Rings campaign style because you can have people from all sorts of clans and all sorts of families and they can all fit together. They can wander all over Rokugan and get stuff done. You have a combination of fighting investigation and politics because they do they investigate a crime and they fight bad guys and they have to convince people that who who did what to whom and have to beat up bad guys so it's it's got yeah it's got all it's got it all all in a nice it's got all the things package. that l5r wants you to be doing mm-hmm. so it's not the only kind of campaign that you can do in l5r nope. but it certainly is probably the common most common campaign yeah. because it just gets your party doing all the things it, it it has certain advantages, which means you can kind of get up and going. Um, so there are different sorts of magistrate. Emerald magistrates, like I say, is the most common, but you still also get clan magistrates who deal with obviously stuff within the clans, and you have city magistrates because cities have lots and lots of people in them, and they need their own kind of law enforcement, police force. Mm. Um, they all have. The jeet as a kind of symbol that you're a magistrate. Yes. So it's, it's a weapon, and it, it, and it becomes so associated with magistrates because it's got that sword catcher, and it's very distinctive that it or it just becomes like, oh, you've got one of those. You must be a magistrate, or a law enforcement, a cop, of some description. Right. Yeah. Um, presumably, the the higher rank you are, the prettier it is. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a little decorative thing yeah, for yeah. that office judge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but there's lots of ranks of magistrates. Mm-hmm. So, um, and even though there are these three organizations, yep. uh, Emerald Magistrates, Clan Magistrates, and City Magistrates, they still have the same ranks within them. So the yeah, Emerald Magistrate much, yeah. is the magistrate. And then under them, they have people that report to them that are Eureki and Joshin and and you're my deep dive into all, yes. all things magistrates. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the ranks of magistrates. So you get the actual magistrates themselves. Um, in so these will be in the Emerald Magistrates. These are people who are directly appointed by the Emerald Champion, and so they report directly to the Emerald Champion. There would be a chief of police, essentially, in a city, that kind of rank. Um, and they they also have elements of being a judge as well, and in some cases right. even there's, sort there's of a no mayor. separation. Mm. <laughs> Under them, you have your Eureki, and these are your detectives, that kind of thing. They are always full samurai, generally fairly highly ranked. They can range depending on which organization you're in. They can range from uh, a police lieutenant who stays back in the office and only turns up for the big arrests and and stands there looking impressive. But in the Emerald Magistrates, they tend to be the people who go out and do stuff. They're, they're likely where your player characters end up being, if you see what I mean. They will report right. to a magistrate, investigate independently, lead patrols, that kind of thing. Very, very good PC kind of level. Um, mm-hmm. 
under them you get the the Doshin. These are your prison guards, patrol officers, and that kind of thing. They tend to be low-ranking samurai. They're the lowest rank in in the in the magistrate system, but that are samurai. In city and um, clan magistrates, they tend to be kind of not very well thought of because they keep they pretty much spend their entire day dealing with <gasps> commoners. You know, they might get com- <laughs> they might get common all over me. You know, so they tend to be looked down on, which is not very nice. And they, but it's good for young samurai. Yes, good for like young samurai, G samurai, that kind of thing. So they will investigate crimes not super independently. They report to the Yuriki. But and they're the, they're the boots on the ground most of the time. In in terms yeah. of you know getting stuff done, under them you get people called komono, which actually sounds like like small small items is kind of what they, what it sounds like. Um, uh-huh. They're non samurai, so you, there might be merchants or ashigaro, the chonin, the you know townsfolk out in the in the clan magistrates because that's not city they'll tend to be farmers but we'll get on to them uh they go on patrol they give assistance so so if you have a crime ring mm-hmm. for example your your Riki might send out his your magistrate would give the order somebody do something about this crime ring yeah and he'd say Yuriki, you go out and do it mm. and your Yuriki might go out and investigate, but realize they need to question more people than just the people that they can personally individually question. So yep. they send out their Doshin to go round people up and bring them in for questioning or to ask questions on the street. You know, just mm-hmm. those Doshin are still, you know, pretty low level, but they're out beat yeah. up, finding things out. Or tell their Doshin, keep an eye out for people with this tattoo. I want to bring any crime person who has that tattoo in and the Doshin does that. Mm -hmm. And then when it's time to go bust the headquarters of the ring, then you grab a bunch of Komono to go wave pitchforks and carry lanterns as you go bust the crime ring. Yeah. That, that, yeah, so they'll be the ones handling the the bow staff, the Sodegarami, the sleep tanglers, and the man catchers, and all that kind of stuff. And yes, yeah, your horde I'll, of people to go overwhelm yep. this crime ring. Get some extras. You don't put normally them some wigs. do it. Right, you don't normally do it with just one. No, <laughs> one no. samurai kicking that would, much. That would likely go wrong. And <laughs> the other kind of folks you turn up. These are mostly in the, in your cities. You get the uh, Okapiki who are former criminals, informants, and spies. So, And they can be from the Burakamin class. They can be from the criminal classes. They can just be people who have taken a wrong turn, a wrong turn in their life. And then someone says, do you know, I'm going to help you turn your life around and you're going to help me, you know, do justice and stuff like that. And, yep. you- and also they could be your... A Brookman mm. assistant uh, doing your autopsies for you. That kind of thing, like yes. Um, where, where you don't actually tell them to do anything because that would be far too much like actually talking to them. You just kind of say, "It'd be great if this, uh, you know, this thing should happen." Oh, it's happened. How how handy. And well, and and depending on how you play it, it's mm. it's pretty common in a magistrate game to have one or two trusted okapiki. Yep. That you do talk to. Yeah. Um, but they're they're trusted ones that you 
Absolutely. have a special relationship with, you know, of, that you can talk to them and then they will talk to the other, other broker. Yeah. And the last group you have, they're not strictly speaking part of the actual magistrate system. They're, they're Goyo Kiki, and they are high protection from particular neighborhoods, and they're generally hired by the merchants for protection. They work with the actual cops, but they're hired by the local neighborhood, which means that they have different priorities and may look the other way if they discover, that, say, merchants are perhaps not using the best weights and measures. <laughs> that kind of thing so. right that's like private mall security mm. uh, yeah that actually that's that's a really that's a really good um analogy that's that's pretty much it so that's the basics of the ranks but how All they right. manifest is different in each of the emerald clan and city kind of systems right for the emerald magistrates um they tend to use the similar ranks as we said mm -hmm. they report to the directly to the emerald champion through their chain of command. Emerald magistrates are trained in the Ruby Dojo under the Ruby champion. That's currently Agasha Sumiko. Mm -hmm. She is the one who primarily, primarily goes and selects and trains these new magistrates. Um, and she's kind of second in command to yep. the Emerald champion as it is right now. Mm -hmm. And Laura, the Emerald champion's missing. Mm -hmm. Um they can be assigned to a city or a province, but they tend to have jurisdiction where something would cross the emperor's, that would break the emperor's law crosses clan boundaries. So mm. in the United States, we have state police. Yep. And that would be like you have clan police uh, in Rokugan, but we also have the FBI and they are called the feds and yeah. they are in charge of looking at uh, crimes that cross state boundaries and yep. so it works very much like that for the emerald magistrates they can follow wherever they need to go they tend to have universal travel papers yeah that sort of issue and and much like the fbi the fbi don't investigate standard murders that's the city or state police job and so emerald magistrates don't tend to investigate just a standard murder that'll be clan magistrate city magistrate business but they, on the other hand, they can go places those others can't. Right. So if it's high ranking enough, and especially if it crosses clans, that it might be a cause a war. Mm. If there was, you know, a clan magistrates investigating it, that that would be Emerald Magistrate. If it's Maho, yep. uh, that kind of thing, that affects all the clans and could go anywhere so they definitely get involved with that sort of thing um treacherous stuff treacherous stuff mm. if they think it's something involving someone high enough up that a clan might or embarrassing enough that a clan might act to cover it up that's when the emerald magistrates go in yep. you know you can't cover up things for them the clan champion can't give an order to an emerald magistrate saying uh, i need you to look the other way yes, yes um Right. So there's there's a lot of reasons. And you gotta understand that this is not got a constitution or anything like that. Mm -hmm. This is all if the Emerald Champion feels like it's time for you to go investigate that thing, it's, it's or you do if you're an Emerald Magistrate. Yeah. My if if you if you want a historical um analogy, I think they're they're much closer to the Metsuke and Ometsuke of Shogunate Japan the Edo period. Mm -hmm. That's because they were the guys who investigated the daimyo 
and looked out for treachery and stuff like that. So I think that was a, that's a kind of a a kind of a, a, a model you could look at. They did have magistrates and Yuriki and Doshin, but they're all effectively a step up compared mm-hmm. to like your city magistrate. Just as your like the lowest ranking FBI person is an FBI agent, and that's a bit more than a beat cop. And so even your right. Doshin are going to be quite impressive. Right. So um, their symbol of office is a four-inch jade orb that they use to act as a gavel or, you know, to make Shadowlands creatures mm. touch. Um, <laughs> so that would be for magistrates. It's it themselves. Yeah. Um, not necessarily every one of your uh, yeah. Emerald Yuriki are going to get a jade orb. That's, I, that's the boss man thing. I, I suspect for the... Yuriki and the Doshin, it's a distinctive mon or how uh, other symbol they can put on the how the howry or their other clothing, and their jite is going to be distinctive, and you kind of go, oh, "That's an Emerald Magistrate jite." Oh goodness me! And then the yeah, you magistrate. don't want to wrap your jite in uh, green and gold. That kind and, of thing, and, and have assume the, things, and, and the pommel has a nice kind of will have the proper mon on it. That kind right. of thing. Yeah. So that's the emeralds, and they're, they're, they're very important. But we can look at the clan magistrates next. Mm-hmm. Now, the clan magistrates, when you think about the city magistrates, are going to have their own thing. So the clan magistrates, that's mostly going to be rural. Although, obviously, the city magistrates are going to be very much like the clan magistrates because they're still the same clan. But or in clan, but cross province, cross yes, city that kind, kind of crimes. Yeah. So I'm going to steal from Edo period shogunate controlled provinces because that's what I'm getting from. I've, I've got a, a really nice book over Christmas, which is really lovely. And it's called Taiho Jutsu Law and Order in the Age of the Samurai. And it covered Edo period very much and specifically the shogunate. And so this can change, but I think this is a good template to start from. And each clan mm-hmm. will do something different. So you're going to have, essentially, you're going to have, the, it's going to be, you know, actual magistrates. That's going to be more the court of the clan champion at this point, or the provincial daimyos. But you can have a, a daikan a tetsuku, and that's a samurai, a low-ranking hatamoto, right? And you also get the mm-hmm. daikan tedai. Now, they are f- uh, farmers, farmer caste, skilled in martial arts, which sounds like a budoka to me. In, in L5R mm-hmm. terms. Now, they are restricted in the weapons they could use, the, the Tedai ones. Um, depending on the era historically, they could range from a Rakazashi to a single longsword, but that's going to change from clan to clan. Like, I suspect the Crab Clan are going to have their peasant magistrate types a little bit heavier armed than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Lion might say, no, oh no, you get a stick, mate, because... <laughs> Ooh, that kind of thing. Uh, you get Meikashi, who are farmer cast, skilled in the arresting arts. In uh, So that sounds like a specialized budoka. And mm-hmm. you get a basic patrol, which is going to be led by one of a Daikan Tetsuko or a Daikan Tedai. So either led by a samurai or led by a budoka. One of them, one Komono, mm-hmm. who is the same as a city Kamono, two Meikashi mm-hmm. and two Ashigaro. So that's a very common standard patrol. 
and that's a patrol. So that would be yeah. wandering around the countryside, yeah, uh, looking for if anything happening, but just just a standard patrol that your PCs yeah. might wander into in a rural area. Absolutely, and that's so that yeah, they could in special cases go up to thirty to forty. Like if uh, they were making a raid uh, on somebody. Yeah, or if they knew there was something bad happening or they heard rumors of a big horrible monster, that kind of thing. An interesting thing is that the city magistrates we'll get to, they don't have, or at least in Edo period, and this is what we're stealing, they didn't have authority over temples or shrines. There was a special group who, was, who had jurisdiction over temples and shrines. But the clan magistrate or the rural magistrates, they did because there wasn't a special people to do that. So again, right. might change from clan to clan. Right. So if you took different clans and their different mm. approaches, like I said, now you could have your PCs be clan magistrates and they would not necessarily yes. be these, these rural patrol kind of things. Yeah. They would do the same things that we talked about for the uh, FBI, for the Emerald magistrates, but they'd be doing it on a state level. They'd be investigating murders or that crimes thing, yeah. that hit a couple cities yeah, that weren't in a city. But I, things that seemed like it could be bigger. There, yeah, there's actually a thing. There's a, a novel series I read ages ago. Um, and there's a Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which yes. seems to be exactly this. Like, right. you're, you're going to be the special has, guys. Right. Each state in the United States has that, uh, has their own individual law enforcement structure that works yeah. on the bigger crimes. Uh, so that's, that's what you would, you would be yes, as long be as it didn't disease. cross state lines that you, you have a full range of access to a clan magistrate group. Yeah. Um, so if you were doing mono clan campaigns, there's, there's nothing you can't do yes. as a clan magistrate really. And, and they would, um, they would have access to these six people patrols. Could you come right, They us? could order them around. Yeah. But, all right, so different clans, the clan magistrates would probably, as we said, operate a bit differently, mm. uh, depending on the clan. So you know, you can take some extrapolation from from yep. the books and different things and see it. So a crab clan magistrates, they would be pretty lax in normal human vices. They wouldn't mm. be caring that much about that illegal distillery technically or yeah. that uh, Wyndham fortunes ring or maybe some other things, but they would get very aware and be very much more suspicious of anything that might indicate that a shadow lance of it breached the wall. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of the Cooney would work in association with uh, clan magistrates. Uh, there are some Cooney classes that, would work well as magistrates yeah. the, in fifth edition in Shadowlands, the uh, martial arts. Uh, I can't remember monks. Yeah. Yeah. Would be, would be, would I, be a good magistrate. I think they'd also tend to have fewer of the samurai uh, leaders, the Daikan Tetsuko and more of the Tedai, just so they have more samurai on the wall. And so it's like, you, exactly. you deal with that. And it would also be more heavily armed and armored, I suspect, than your standard. Absolutely. Now, the crane actually in, had a class in fourth edition, mm. a whole school that was associated directly with the magistrates by name, crane magistrates by name, and those are the doji magistrates school. Um, they are very conventional 
kind of Edo era magistrates like we've been talking about. Um, The school itself had an emphasis on non-lethal techniques because one of the things you have to be aware of with crane samurai is that you might be dealing with a just drunk people. The crime rate is generally pretty low. Um, Or you might be dealing with very important samurai who you can't afford to rough up always a problem (laughs) so that's why the doji magistrates focused on um yeah on non-lethal techniques but also their method of investigation was very community oriented and using those political skills for which the crane are are known to be socially very part much part of their communities that they're magistrating and yeah and it's kind of a flip side to the um traditional dragon kitsuki uh magistrate which is uh looking at the evidence looking yeah. at the facts but not necessarily all about you know the schmoozing so yeah. there's a good story in old five all called sins of the father which is a doji magistrate and a kitsuki magistrate mm. getting up to solve crime together they, they worked very well together actually lion lion magistrates they're going to be very rigid very rigid in their interpret of the law in the interpretation of the law if you break the law that's it no excuses no nothing so everything's going to be very conventional very rigid you're going to have military uh magistrates or military law enforcement in much the same way I yeah, so, the, so yeah, so you'd have like MPs. Mm. Probably every every big army is going to have a couple of MPs to. Most do anyway, what... obviously, but the lion are really going to, I think, going to focus on that one. And mm-hmm. you, you're not going to be able, you're going to find it much harder to talk your way out of a lion magistrate patrol, <laughs> I think, because it's all going to be no, no, no. This is what we do. We have our rule book. We're following it. <laughs> Compare and contrast that to the dragon, mm-hmm. who are going to feel a lot of freedom to go wherever investigation will take them. You're going to have people with Kitsuki methods, um, all sorts of that. And uh, they are also going to be a little more free, I think, with certain interpretations of the law and certainly less suspicious of people just acting strangely. Because uh, one, one of the jobs of the, the clan magistrate is to look up people who are looking strange and say, are you meant to be here? show us your travel papers. But I think the mm-hmm. dragon are going to be a little more lax about that. Cause like, you know, maybe they're just following their own path. Right. So I could see Kitsuki feeling free, feeling a, a mandate to follow crime right out of the, right out of Dragonlands, and Absolutely. know that they have the, the dragon leadership will back them up and let mm-hmm. them go there. Whereas the other clans would like, no, you investigate in our lands and leave it to yeah. the Emerald Magistrates other than that. So a Katsuki will follow it wherever it takes him. Absolutely. The Phoenix, um, I think would be primarily of the Sheba family. It's a, mm. it's a support role for the Phoenix. The Asawa would uh, be investigating supernatural stuff but they would be past it by Shiba. I think so. I think so. I think that's probably about right. Uh, maybe some Agasha. Right. Uh, but it's not going to be the uh, primary focus of this no. Phoenix Shigenja. They've got religious stuff and they would not get their hands dirty in all these mon- in mundane human crime. They would be 
called upon. Yeah. And you could have certainly a Shiginja heavy group that, for example, are, you know, kind of, I don't know, I want to say Warehouse 13. They're kind of <laughs> special well, investigators yeah. that end up, so various Shiba groups of magistrates say, okay, we found supernatural juju. We're mm. going to call for this particular group of Shiginja heavy people to come investigate specifically supernatural stuff, but they won't be in the day-to-day crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think overall their approach of the Phoenix is very traditional, not quite as rigid as the lion, more compassionate than the lion. I can also imagine them being just being more attuned to mystical stuff. And I really do Mm -hmm. like the idea that the every so often your, your hard nosed Shiba investigator will get out the Kawari sticks and do a divination. (laughs) I like that. The scorpion because the scorpion, <laughs> the scorpion, the scorpion, the scorpion investigate within the scorpion, you know, yep. for their clan, and they will go outside, like investigate other people who are in scorpion lands. But I don't think they are going to be rigid interpreters of the law. But it's also not going to be up to the discretion of the magistrate no. whether to enforce it or not. So they are the scorpion always have a despite having this very strong emphasis on loyalty, they are more attuned than any other clan to knowing that disloyalty exists. Yeah. Okay. And because of that, they are, they investigate themselves for disloyalty, like all the time. I actually think a good, although I I get the feeling that if you wandered through, if you hadn't been to Scorpion Lands before and you go to Scorpion Lands, and say you move from a line lands and then you go to Scorpion lands, you'd probably think that the the magistrate patrols were lax and they were they were nosy and they're fishing for bribes and they're really easy to bribe and all that kind of stuff. But everything they do, I suspect, would get reported higher up. Right. And you start to think about secret police, not necessarily police police. So even if you bribe the guy and he goes away, he's reporting. And somebody else is making a decision about what happens next. And it might not be conventional law enforcement. Right. It, it so might well not everything be. that they are keeping tracks and they are doing what seems like conventional to even lax, because why not encourage a little vice mm. um, uh, law enforcement, but they're not, it's not going to resolve it in a conventional way. You're going to no. find that knowledge in the hands of somebody who's going to use it to blackmail you. Yeah. Later. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be mwahaha. We got away with it. That stupid patrol. They took our bribe. Ahaha. We're totally brilliant. We got away with it. Hey, this this water tastes funny. <laughs> so generally, uh, and then there's the unicorn, mm. which are a little different. Um, I don't think that the unicorn settle a magistrate in a town no. very often. No. They they leave most of the normal day to day magistrates up to these, uh, you know, lower cased. Uh, Dakan, uh, Budoka yeah. uh, patrols and that sort of thing. However, they're, they do have magistrates. They definitely do. And those magistrates will be on horseback and going yep. through a large number of villages. Um, and if there's a problem that the Budoka patrols come up with, they go mm. to the visiting magistrate and tell them, tell them the problems and the magistrate resolves it. Um, 
and rides around and, and fixes the problem while they're there and then they go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of feel that the kind of almost a Wild West style traveling marshal slash Texas Ranger mm-hmm. kind of idea. That's I get that kind of feeling. Right. Might be appropriate. They are very compassionate, but in lore mm. the unicorn are known for the barbarity of their punishments. So yeah. if you did mess up yeah. Then you can expect a really, really horrible and barbaric by Rokugani standard terms. Which is pretty far uh, when you get down to um, Ways of being treated. So, mm. yes, there's a, a rather gruesome story of, well, it, actually, it's hilarious, of a scorpion <laughs> writing to his boss yeah. and, and uh, saying, We sent over this. Uh, person just to do some regular conventional blackmail about how somebody's grandfather had a bad name and it was all you know the way it was supposed to be and we were just supposed to get our little blackmail thing in there and they took him and tied him to the gates and ripped off his limbs with horses yes that's not how it's done yeah so that's a kind of, it's I not it's, supposed to happen to me that way basically <laughs> it's let off with a warning no don't be doing that kind of thing oh dearie me no or <laughs> Ripped apart by horses, and it's very little in between. So there you go. <laughs> yes. So I think they're going to be so, doing their own different thing, which I, which is the unicorn all over. Going up from from clan magistrates, we then have city magistrates. Yep. And what are city magistrates? City magistrates are like all the other magistrates, except they work in a city, as you may have guessed from the title. Um, <laughs> they actually have a, a. There's a lot of source material i keep going on about this anime called onihei which is i know it's available on amazon prime might be available other places as well but it's a straight edo period cop drama and it's about city magistrates it's about elite cops and so so it's it's really kind of neat and and i like it well city magistrates in a city level act as the judge chief of police mayor they're the boss. They'd yeah. be under the governor, yep. but not that far under. Yeah, so like a big city, like in Edo, actual Edo period Edo, which was the, a huge city, there were actually two, and in some cases, three magistrates for the whole city. That's kind of the level that you get. Smaller city may just have the one. Um, Ryoko Orari might have one or two. Otosanuchi I would say probably that if I was going to... I would actually, for my Rokugan, I put Otosan Uchi as one per district. Mm, that that kind of thing, yeah. It'd be it would be districts and district levels. Because they have district governors, That's, so I'd yes. say there is a district magistrate mm. who acts as the judge in charge of law enforcement for the district of Otosan Uchi. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds right. And then below him would be the or her. There would be the Yuriki, yep. which would be your detectives. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Doshin. below them would be the Doshin, which would be your beat cops. Absolutely. And obviously you also have the Komono and the Okapiki and the Goyo Kiki underneath them. Uh, fun things, in Edo period Edo, there was a an elite force that was specifically for murder and arson. And they had a, a special name, which is basically murder and arson. Uh, sorry. There was an elite force which was in charge of arson and robbery, specifically organized robbery, which is interestingly not murder, 
<laughs> except as it related to fire and large-scale robbery. And though those were your elite cops, though, as like maybe kind of equivalent of your SWAT or your major crime squad, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And they often had a slightly more direct uh, chain of command. They were they were slightly higher up the chain of command, and then they were super elite, and they could kick over things that other people couldn't kick over. And they didn't have they didn't bother with any of that kind of patrolling nonsense. No, they're above all that that kind of thing. So that's a thing you important. may need to add in. As as PCs, it's report important to remember mm. that like one of the most absolute terrible crimes that you could do in a city is arson. Oh yes. And I wouldn't say I've not seen parties set things on fire. No. So they never do be that. Careful. Yeah. <laughs> because that, if you are that's worse than murder. That's as, or at least as bad. Well, I mean it could lead to lots of murder is the problem. Uh, these exactly. would be the, these would be the guys who who beat you up for casting uh, Wrath of Osanawo in City yes. Bounds, that kind of thing. Um, uh, they, they use uh, lanterns. Yes, that uh, these elite squads will use lanterns, or even the the not elites. Yeah, it's one of their signs that they're city magistrates is that mm. they'll carry around lanterns with the painted words "official business" on them, which it's, is cool. it's an absolutely classic thing in a lot of samurai drama. You see them kind of wandering, you know, running through the streets with these lanterns, with these two characters on it, um, just yelling "Goyo," which is official business, and it's just the it's the classic image of law enforcement and big raids. <laughs> And all that kind of stuff. Uh, they so obviously you also have the yomawari, which is another classic thing. These are like um, very. These are like um, I suppose special police officers or special. Um, they're not actual police officers, but they they are watchmen. Night watchmen would be the best word. Yomawari, and they are the ones who wander about at night with the clapping blocks, clap clap, and they shout out. Uh, Kino Yojin, which is be on the lookout for fire. They don't actually investigate or stop crimes, but they will report anything they see. So that's that's going to be a, a classic, again, another classic thing if you have stuff happening at night in a city. And that's also your timekeeping mm. person. In, in, very, in many of these societies, you don't have timepieces in every house. Yeah. And, but yeah. uh, the night watchman's job is to keep the time with a candle mm-hmm. or, you know, they've got water clocks in Rokugan that they've mentioned or, or different methods, but they would keep the hour and then they would let everyone know. And if you were planning an event to happen and the hour of the wolf, what you would be doing is yep. listening for the night watchman to go by. Yep. The The main thing, the thing to, to keep in mind is that in a city, the magistrates and well, I keep saying magistrates. We have this habit in L5R of saying magistrates when we mean absolutely everybody in the system, from the actual magistrates to the Yuriki to the Dojin, all the way down. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so the law enforcement personnel, especially the Dojin, they spend a lot more time with the commoners, the city folk, the Chonin, than probably anybody else. And so there's a lot of interaction there. It's probably one of the major interactions between townsfolk and samurai. Is is that level of individual? So they have they're gonna they're gonna know it a lot more than you know your average clan samurai about how the city works and who does right. what and who doesn't do what and the places you don't go without the right tattoos and all that kind <laughs> of good fun. 
and, and they're patrolling the streets. Mm-hmm. They also uh, are prison guards, so people are kept in prisons, often temporarily. Yep. Um, and every role in between. Now, if you're a PC party, you are somewhat unlikely to be stuck on street patrol for yep. extended periods of time. Though I have done a fun city, what we call a magistrate, a city cop game. Yeah. And it's a great way to deal with in-place gaming. Like you have a city, you develop it out, you have lots of things going on there, and Mm -hmm. you can set up shop. So that's a perfectly good way of making a campaign all in one city. Yeah. I Actually, you can do all sorts of interesting things in in a city campaign. I can't remember if we've done a city campaign thing yet because my memory is terrible. But well, we haven't talked about it on our podcast. No, we should do that. We should do that then. So be fun. I think that's pretty much everything to do with magistrating that I can think of. Well, uh, we can talk about how actual investigations go, mm-hmm. both from a lore perspective, like the different things that happen how, from the time they're initiated through having a trial and sentences that sounds good and also how to run one mechanically because that's a thing but maybe that will be our next episode i think so and one of these days i would love to know a lot more about the potential underworld i don't think it's ever been officially detailed other than fireman gangs which would be yeah, the other half of the magistrate campaign is is like the criminals and one day one day we shall do a deep deep law dive on that and that should be a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, I suspect a book will come out on that, but I have done much fun stuff mm. working with uh, making criminal underworlds and being involved with them. So I'd love to talk some Yakuza with you sometimes, but that's the flip <laughs> side of, of magistrating. So It is. But that's it for this week. So call out to our sister podcast. Uh, if you really, really can't hear enough about magistrates, uh, I do have to call out Last Province again because some time back they had a very, very long episode about magistrating and law enforcement in Rokugan and evidence and testimony. So if you want to know more, you can refer back there. Other than that, do you have any call outs? I personally don't because I've been hiding under a rock and I don't know what's going on in the world. So it's all good. <laughs> Um, I do have to That's call okay. out. I do have to call out the um, L5R fiction team, who literally put out a new fiction as we were recording this. <laughs> normally, normally there's a, there's a bit of a delay, but no, actually in the middle. So there you go. So you're gonna have to wait <laughs> so. or something for that. Our, our in breathless anticipation of what we have to say about that. But in the meantime. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Kova, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy. Bye.